Captain, we have them. We've established Transporter Lock, the Star Trek Discovery podcast. Join Ken and Sabriel each week as they explore strange new episodes, seek out new plots and new characters, and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Hello and welcome to Transporter Lock, episode number 60 for October 10th, 2020. I'm your co-host, Chief Engineer Ken Gagney. And I am Captain Sabriel Maston. Welcome back. It feels like we haven't been here for about two months. It's true. We recorded an episode in August when Lower Decks debuted the first Star Trek animated series in decades. We reviewed the pilot episode and we didn't feel the need to review every individual weekly half-hour episode. But now we're here at the end of season one, and we're here to recap the first season of Lower Decks. Yeah. Uh, so back then, we were kind of eh on this. I don't think any of us hated it. We were just kind of eh on this. I would agree with that. When the episode debuted, you and I and our friend Joe all talked about it, and we're like, yeah, it's okay. We don't see any reason to not keep watching, but... We acknowledge that first seasons are rough, first episodes especially are rough, and we're going to give it the benefit of the doubt. How did that pan out for you, Sabriel? Uh, you know, in the end, I actually started to enjoy the show. Uh, it's a very short version of it. How about you, before we expand on it? I really enjoyed it. I got to the point where I was looking forward to each episode, and I don't know if I necessarily found it laugh out loud funny, but... It was definitely entertaining and amusing, and I was engaged. Yeah, I, like I just said, I started really liking them, but however, three times during the short season here, I realized I had forgotten that it was Thursday, New Trek Thursday, and so like I didn't watch the episode until afternoon or evening, when my normal tradition is to watch it uh, in the early morning. I know. I saw you tweet when episode eight came out, by 7.30 a.m. my time, you'd already watched it. And then there were other times where you were like, oh, yeah, that's today, isn't it? <laughs> so was it just has it been so long since Picard ended that we forgot there was new Star Trek? Or was this show just that immemorable? Uh, I'd say immemorable, but it just wasn't that much to I didn't I wasn't sitting here building up that excitement for weeks, months, years for this show like the other one. In the past, I was like, all right, this seems like it might be neat. Um but but yeah, even now, even when I started to enjoy it, I kept forgetting that it aired. <laughs> so I'm just like, maybe that does say something about its um, memorability. There weren't times that I forgot the show was on, but there were times where I was like, oh yeah, it came out today. I have other mm-hmm. things I'm doing. I'll watch it in a few days. And there was one moment where I actually had a backlog and I watched two episodes back to back. And I, and I just you know wanted to watch them, but... If it was Picard, if it was Discovery, like I actually book those into my calendar and people know that I'm busy those nights because there's a new episode out. With Lower Decks, I'm just like, eh, I'll get to it. Like This is Ken time. (laughs) Even when we were in Boston for PAX East, we made time during the conference to go watch Star Trek Picard. That's right. The episode, there was one year where it came out on a Thursday and I think you and I were watching it together. And then last year or this year, 2020, we waited till Saturday night because that's when the friends we wanted to watch it with were available and when the PAX East schedule allowed us to. But yeah, you're right. We set time aside that was devoted just to Star Trek. Whereas... Lower Decks, I enjoyed it, but it was more like, 
when I have time, when there's nothing else going on. Uh, so during the course of the season, I guested on uh, the Nerd Party Network's SETI Alpha 3 podcast and talked about an episode. And they were very meh on the show, too, at that point. I'm curious what their thoughts are at the end of the season as well. Um, one of the questions they asked me that I didn't have an answer to was, who do you think this show was for? Like, when you go to pitch the show, there's usually a target demographic that you're after. I didn't have an answer. Well, I think that ties in a different question that I want to answer today, which was, when was the show at its best? And for me, the show was at its best when the four main characters were stand-ins for the audience. I loved it when they were debating Star Trek trivia amongst themselves. Like when they were saying who was the best villain of all time. And Mariner says, oh, it's obviously Khan. He was a space seed. And Boimler was this minor character from one episode of TNG. And I'm like, nobody is going to get that except those who have been around for a really long time. I love this. Uh, (laughs) Right. I had to go to memory alpha to remember who that even was. Uh, the only reason I remember that name, because a lot of these characters have cards in the Star Trek card game. So some of them have <laughs> permanently stuck in my memory as someone I could play. That's awesome. <laughs> there was another moment where they were talking about attractive characters. Uh, again, Khan and Tendi says, oh, I would love to stick around and talk about his thick, thick chest, but I got to go pee. If you turn on the <laughs> subtitles, they spelled it T-H-I-C-C. Which is the correct spelling. I forgot about that. (laughs) But then also somebody else says, um, oh, I think they were talking about Khan. And they said, oh, he was a Kirk Sunday with Trip Tucker Sprinkles. (laughs) And I was like, oh, my God, that is delightful. I love that. Um, in the first episode, and even in the recap, I, I made comments like this show is basically Star Trek The References, uh, not not too unlike like Spaceballs, the toilet paper, or Spaceballs, the flamethrower. Uh, <laughs> and sometimes it was like, okay, I get it. You really like Star Trek. And other times, like, okay, that was done really well. And like the examples you showed, I remember like laughing, like, oh my God. Uh, where I was like, I didn't care if they referenced some tool they used in episode three of TNG. Um, but one of those moments, those character moments when they reference a person, I think I usually enjoyed those more. Uh, when I when the show is at its best for me is you know like all four characters are ripping off riffing riffing off each other, uh, or you know doing something together because there's a lot of times where they were separate doing their own storylines or subplots. Mm. Um, but I really liked uh, I guess when it was at, no that was I was going to keep answering other questions you had posited before <laughs> recording, so I'm going to just tone that answer back and just say I think the moments when they were working together and bouncing off each other. Uh, were some of the best. I mean, there was sure a few moments here and there when they was paired off where it was funny, but the four of them as an ensemble worked best to me. Yeah, I I agree with that. Except I find that more often they were split up into two pairs and into a foursome. It was very often Mariner and Boimler were working off each other. And then we had Tendi and Rutherford. And there were exceptions, like the time that Tendi's dog and the phasing Boimler went to the vacation planet or whatever. But Primarily, it was those two pairings that happened. And I like the chemistry in those pairs. Like, I, I'm still trying to figure out if Rutherford has a crush on Tendi. Like, when he introduced her to Badgie, he said, I know it, what, the program wasn't ready for her, but look at her. She's just so cute. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I think there's supposed to be some implied things, especially with that finale. Um, that was the other part of the podcast too. One of them was like, "Give me more Rutherford and give make give him a pairing." Uh, I can see that those two did seem to play off each other very well. Yeah, and Boimler and Mariner, I think the show is primarily about them. Like they're usually the A plot, and Tendi and Rutherford are the B plot. And I, I, I like those two characters, but they seem, I mean, all four characters in a degree are caricatures of actual Star Trek people. Not that there are actual yeah. Star Trek people, <laughs> uh, but how many times, like there were at least two different episodes where we saw Mariner get promoted and her intentionally sabotage herself because she didn't want to be promoted. I mean, <laughs> I, I got that after the first time. They didn't need to do a second episode about it. You see, you know, now that you mentioned it, I guess I, that didn't bug me. I didn't really think about it until you pointed it out, but they did do that a few times. Yeah, there was a time when uh, she got promoted to lieutenant because her mom wanted to force her to transfer. And then there was the time where she became the XO for her old friend who was captain. And both times she was like, nope, not going to do it. I don't want this role. Something I was positing halfway through the series because I was having trouble with it is I wasn't sure where it, if it considered itself a, I don't say monster of the week type show, even if there wasn't a monster, I, I, was the non-continuity, no continuity, uh, or if there was going to be a continuous storyline. And by the end, there kind of was, but halfway through, I still wasn't sure. Yeah, the first like nine episodes, I would say, were pretty independent of each other. It wasn't until episode 10 where we see like the return of Badgie, for example. <laughs> and I don't really, I don't think that there was any other moments in the season where you had to watch them in a specific order. Right. Like there might be one string, very loose thread in each episode, but it's very loose. Uh, you know, I suppose maybe that's where the show might have been at some of its worst was. The I wasn't sure what it was trying to be. Hmm. And that was giving me some disconnect at the beginning. Because every episode seemed like it was trying to be some kind of thread story. But then it was, but in practice, it wasn't until much later into the season. And that was some confusion for me. Where maybe, or maybe I've just gotten too used to, uh, like Discovery or Picard, where it is a continuous story, just assumed to be. And I just haven't gotten used to the old style, or I'm not used to the old style anymore? I, well, between the end of season one of Picard and the beginning of season one of Lower Decks, I watched season two of The Orville. And maybe that got me back into the mindset of these bottle episodes, because there are things that carry throughout the seasons. Like even in TNG, like Worf's standing in the Klingon Empire was an ongoing thread. But other than that, you really could watch them out of order. And so I was okay with Lower Decks doing that. I wasn't necessarily looking for a specific plot to be advanced week to week. I was looking for to learn about the characters more and to get to know them better. And I think I did do that. I think each character had different opportunities to demonstrate who they were. Like in the penultimate episode, Crisis Point, we're in the, in the holodeck. And, you know, you and I in our last episode of Transporter Lock were like, we think she's Orion, but I don't think that was explicitly said in the episode. And then in Crisis Point, she's like, very clearly, she's Orion, and she does not cotton to the racial stereotype that they're all pirates. And I think that's an important thing to know about a person. 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I could get a kick of that. Like we're not all, like most of us are, but not all of us. Uh, yeah. Uh, was there anything that felt weak for you during this season? I kind of shared mine. Well, that same episode, Crisis Point, you know, I, I talked about how we got to know Mariner across the season and how she doesn't like authority. And in that episode, she worked through some of her angst in the holodeck, which is a great place to do that. But the way she did it was by recreating people she knows and loves and killing them. And that seemed, I don't know if I'm using this word clinically accurately, psychotic to me. Like, I can't imagine myself doing that. Like, Yes, I would recreate real people in the holodeck in order to role play myself through some scenarios and work out how I would respond to the real person, but I wouldn't resort to that level of gratuitous violence against somebody I know. I mean, imagine if Riker and Jordy and Troy had walked in on Barkley torturing avatars of themselves. He wouldn't have just had a stern talking to. He probably would have been like court-martialed. Uh, you know, see, this is, I think this is one of those things where it works in a cartoon, but not in the real show. Uh, cause Barkley was having fantasies about the crew members and it was very creepy and weird. Uh, in the animated show, it doesn't come off as such probably because of that, uh, you know, the 2D effect of it, the animated effect of it. Uh, I mean, it's very clear that, uh, some things go on in there and they're, they're, Star Trek really hasn't posited too much or questioned too much if you recreate someone who actually exists. They did it a few times, but they didn't, other than that Barkley episode, they didn't really talk about the ethical nature of that too much. That, that's true. And we can only imagine the extent to which Barkley uh, used those avatars. But to actually see it in this episode. It goes back, to, I think, to something that you and Joe and I were talking about, which was in the pilot episode, with one exception. The entire episode was feasible within what we know about Star Trek lore. Like, everything that happened in that episode, if played more seriously, could have happened in a live-action show. And I feel mm-hmm. like as the show, as Lower Decks progressed, we saw that less often. And I could not see Crisis Point, the episode, happening live action, no matter how you play it. Oh, that was so meta with the movie references and everything. Oh my god, yes. Like how they spent 10 minutes just floating around the outside of the ship observing it and all the lens flares. That was so the motion picture. Uh-huh. Um, and then they had Spock's uh, torpedo shell at the end and how Da Vinci killed Mariner when she popped out. And that was so uh, Spock. It was great. You're jumping to one of my favorite episodes already, but a uh, quick comment before we move on then. Uh, you know, I, re- I was thinking as you were talking about the first episode, I don't remember if I mentioned it then, but Star Trek did do a zombie episode. Uh, it was in Enterprise when they went to the um, the the, uh, the Expanse. Uh, was that? Uh, yeah, the title. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was making sure I wasn't confusing it with the TV show. Um, uh, they went to the Expanse and they found a ship of Vulcans who turned this is basically the equivalent of zombies thanks to their trolley md i th- you're right i forgot about that they didn't barf out black goo and ecor but uh it was a similar concept so like oh i didn't think about that or if i did i've forgotten about it since two months ago when we talked about it <laughs> and this goes back to something i dm'd you on twitter which was how star trek should be able to occupy different genres which is what lower decks is demonstrating you don't have to be serious you can also be funny in the same setting and I uh-huh. mentioned to you, it'd be great to see like a horror or 
some sort of a like Tales from the Crypt or Twilight Zone anthology series of Star Trek. And that's kind of what that episode you're talking about of Enterprise did. It does. Now I'm thinking like uh, <laughs> the the like the deformed face episode and some of those episodes probably wouldn't work because they've been to those planets. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> Speaking of having been to planets, uh, this is a brief aside. I loved in the finale when uh, Commander Ransom said, man, it's so weird revisiting plants from the TOS era. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, I did a little double take. I'm like, yeah, that makes, wait, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, oh, those, those old scientists. scientists. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right. I'm sorry. I think you were going to talk about your favorite episode or was I misremembering? Uh, well, you know, it's a good place to, whatever I was talking about, I think that's a good way to uh, <laughs> transition to it. Actually, I had, I don't know if I have which of the two is my favorite, but Crisis Point, the next finale, and No Small Parts were my favorite episodes. Um, I was... And so that's covered both my favorite scene and my favorite episode here. Uh, I loved the whole movie bit where they were just totally, completely 8,000% meta. And I think the whole taking forever to go around uh, the Cerritos was my favorite scene. And then the lens flare and mm-hmm. whatnot. And, but then all these little references like ducking out of, way, out of the way of the credits while they're just talking to each other. Ducking. <laughs> Or the end when they're signing their names like they did at the end of like in Star Trek Six and all those little references like oh yes this is great, um, but then like I also cheered so hard when the Titan appeared in the finale and it was actually uh, Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis doing their voices to their characters like this is a ship I've only read about and here it is on screen. You know, I wondered if he was going to show up because when they answered the distress call, they also referenced the Titan and then captain was like no we're gonna take care of this one uh and so i when she mentioned the titan there i was like oh it's cool a little reference and all of a sudden here it appears at the end of the episode Hmm. i didn't expect it i just heard a reference to it and all of a sudden here it is however this does mean that the first season finale of picard and the first season finale of lower decks both were dependent on commander Riker showing up and saving the day I'm okay with this. He he'd get his time. He he saved the Enterprise countless times. He can save um, Picard and crew, and also the Cerritos. I'm okay with this. I was very surprised when it was the Packleds that showed up because the <laughs> the setup for that scene was very reminiscent of Star Trek XI, the first J.J. Abrams movie yes. in the Kelvin universe. So much so that when the Cerritos warped in. I almost expected to see R2-D2 bouncing off their saucer. I was looking for that too. (laughs) And then when they start calling everything the Enterprise, I lost it once he found out who it is. Well, when they came on the view screen, even before he took off his helmet, I'm like, that sounds like a Packled. And it was. Oh my gosh. If only Jordy had been there. A quick aside that's related. Um, Years and years ago, back in the MySpace days, um... I don't remember how, but someone who played a Packled in the in Next Generation, I got to talking to someone who played one, like grabbed a log or something like that, and um, and he was a really nice guy. He loved his little role in the Star Trek universe. Uh, he didn't. I don't think he did any acting besides that episode, and um, I could be mistaking that part though. It's been a while, and I had a friend who was very, very he like took this top eight feature of myspace very personally and so one time i put uh, the pack led 
up there. And that meant there was not enough space for this friend who took it very seriously. Because uh, I intentionally was just kind of egging him on. I put the packlet ahead of him and he was so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the original packlets played by Christopher Collins, who also played a, T- uh, a Klingon, Captain Cargan in two episodes of TNG. Also in DS9, he played a couple of characters. But what I most remember Christopher Collins for is he played in the 1980s in some cartoons, Cobra Commander and Starscream. No he, way. G.I. Joe and Transformers. That was him. One of the original no packlets. Yep. <laughs> That's awesome. I did not know that. Same guy. You know, one thing about that finale that was very different in tone for me, like right in the very opening, an entire ship is destroyed with all hands lost. And later on in the episode, we lose the Cerritos' chief of security, which is a named character. I think that's the only episode in the series where characters die. Or if they do, it's in a non-humorous capacity. Yeah, I mean, other shows, characters have died, but they always had a way to replace them. I guess that could be here. Someone's never dead in Star Trek until they are. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you're right. Uh, yeah, it it opened with a very different tone. I was like, oh, this is serious. This is not Tendi bouncing in and saying, look, I invented a dog. This is an entire ship trying to go to warp and exploding as a result. And then it goes to the opening sequence. I did like the opening, though, where like... <laughs> Don't put your shoes on the new carpet. Who ripped the film <laughs> off my console? And then, oh, boom, the packlets are here. But uh, <laughs> it, it reminded me of Captain John Harriman. It's like, oh, that's going to be installed on Tuesday. The ship yes. is too new. <laughs> oh, Bueller. Did you have a favorite character of the four? The four being Beckett Mariner, Brad Boimler, Devana Tendy, and Sam Rutherford? You know, I think I like, um, uh, uh, wow, I'm drawing, um, Right when I started talking, her name uh, escaped. No, uh, the cat uh, doctor, Mariner, Mariner. Okay, Mariner. But I still did like um, uh, the doctor too. Uh, but I think out of the main four, Mariner, I think was still my favorite. She always, she typically had uh, an idea of what was going on. She was the I was like grounded is a strong word, but uh, she was the one who I just always knew what was going on, and I liked that about her. Boimler was kind of annoying to me, especially the first half of the show. And I think Tendi and Rutherford would have been more favorites, but they were just never minor characters out of the four. And I wish we could see more of them. I would How agree with you? that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Rutherford, I found very interesting. I would like to know more about the nature of his implant, where he can actually download information and change his personality. I, I, I don't know what sort of technology that is. Uh, but I, I think of the four, Ma- you're right, Mariner always had a plan she was the person you call in a pinch and she figures out how to get things done but i think i most related to tendy because i really appreciate her enthusiasm like there was there was a moment in the last episode where that XCOM she says wow now that the XCOM can do that i guess there's no need for me this is great <laughs> or when rutherford loses her me- his memory tendy's like this means we get to become best friends all over again yes you know i you mentioned Tendi. I'm glad they didn't go. They did not touch upon the whole Orion women are very enticing to males of any species. Uh, they didn't touch that at all, and I appreciate it. Huh? You're right. They didn't, and that that is a good call. Like they did not. They even did it in Star Trek 2009 to an extent. Uh, but uh, I was a roommate of Uhura. Right. 
Um, but here, nothing. Not mentioned once. They mentioned the uh, stereotype that the Orions have. Uh, and But that was it. They didn't talk about that feature, feature uh, quote-unquote, at, at all. <laughs> and I like it. Yeah, and unlike, say, Seven of Nine or Deanna Troy, they allowed Tendi to wear an actual Starfleet uniform. Oh my gosh. And those two even look better in uniforms themselves, but they never let them do it. I agree. I agree. <laughs> and I think maybe Lower Decks has finally figured that out. Yes. I do have to agree, though, that I think I think the standout character outside of the top four was the cat doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, the same, the whole, uh, um, combination of, uh, Crusher and Pulaski Mm -hmm. and I'm here for it. I, you know, when I was younger, I did not like the Pulaski character at all. Uh, but as I've gotten older, I'm very much appreciated her and I turned out to be one of my favorite doctors in Star Trek. Even if she didn't respect how to pronounce Data's name? That was also in my head here. I wasn't going to bring it up. Uh, (laughs) I mean, we all have our flaws. I mean, so, I mean... Except for you and me. Right. Uh, but most people have flaws. That's right. And uh, that was her. She couldn't say data. <laughs> I, I think my favorite moment for the cat doctor, and there are several good ones, but in that last episode where they <laughs> rush in, you know where I'm going. Where they, right. They bring the captain in. She's bleeding and the cat shrieks. And then she says, sorry, I mean, get her to the med bay. <laughs> I'm like, were you, did you, were you speaking the wrong language there? What was that? <laughs> See, we're laughing. The show's doing its job. Yeah. Uh, there was more laughs for me as the show went on. And I don't know if that was more me accepting it, me getting used to it, me just finding the, the actual humor. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think we both agree that the show found its way. I mean, there are still questions that we may not be able to answer, like who is the show for? But regardless of who the show's for, it definitely got better as the season went on. Yeah. I see you posit in this question as well. And I was thinking about it for like the last day since you shared this talk or so. I don't have an answer, but is there anything you're looking forward to to season two? I'm confused where season two is going to go because, I mean, Boimler said it in that last episode, Mariner, you're my best friend. I don't want you to go to the Sacramento and leave me. And then Boimler goes to the hood and he leaves. So, Didn't are, you go to the Titan? Sorry, what did I say? A hood. You're right. Okay, I want to make sure I got it right, too. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, you're um, right. I'll re-record. And then he goes to the Titan. So the that pair is split up now. So are they writing Boimler off or kind of like Worf in the TNG movies? Are they just going to keep finding reasons to bring him back? Does this mean that Riker and Troy are going to be regulars next season? I have no idea how they're going to make this work. I suspect that uh, in the first five epi- minutes or first episode uh, they will all be stuck together on whatever ship they are going to be serving on in season two, um, whether it be a transfer or accident, or we're all go- we all got stuck going on Delta Quadrant duty, and uh, or we all got teleported to uh, the past together. And it's going to be maybe it's going to be something like um, oh Archer, where they have theme seasons. Uh, or speaking of Archer, maybe they're all going to go into the holodeck where Riker was at the end of the final se- episode. <laughs> Boy, that Enterprise, it's been a long road. <laughs> However, I first, at first I thought that was a tie-in to the Enterprise season finale, series finale, but it wasn't the same thing because that took oh. place during Pegasus. Right, right. That was a very different 
So apparently, um, even after Pegasus, that was still a favorite holodeck program of Rikers. <laughs> so weird. You know what I mean, you have your heroes and you want to see what they they were doing. I guess. Why can't he just go to the Alamo like normal people? <laughs> or kayaking. Or play James or Bond. Or James Bond. Yep. <laughs> well, so, um, so, but you said you don't have many thoughts and theories about season two other than what you just proposed to my question. Yeah, I, I really trying to think about it. And other than I maybe, like I mentioned before, some kind of more of a connection between episodes. I don't know if it even has to be one continuous thread or one continuous storyline. But I, like I mentioned, I think that was part of some of my confusion or hesitation towards the beginning, a part of it, because there wasn't any or much of connectivity between them. I, I think it's okay for multiple formats of Star Trek to be simultaneously being produced, because that's one of the scratches that the Orville itches for me, or one of the itches that it scratches. <laughs> <laughs> because like I love the serial nature of Discovery and Picard. But I also miss the bottle episode of Nature of TNG. And I'm like, oh, with Orville and Discovery, I can have my cake and eat it too. So maybe I don't even need Orville anymore now that I have lower decks. You know, I don't know if I missed the bottle episode. Huh. It's just been so long. You know, when you said it here, maybe think about it. Like, ever since Star Trek, the old ones went off the air and we have digital ways to watch them. I've just watched them on Netflix as they come out, you know, or, or in order. So maybe I'm just gotten very used to the online model of Star Trek. And, and, and Lauren Dex doesn't need for me to have a connecting tissue to enjoy it. I feel like if they're going to do it, I feel like they would put a few more in. Uh, but if not, um, you don't make it so <laughs> make it a little <laughs> more obvious. I don't know. Like, I didn't hate it this way i just like i said it like it more over time but eh. one thing i would like to see in season two is with the rebooted movies especially the first two they some even the actors said they sometimes felt like they were treading familiar ground like oh the second star trek movie has to have khan as a villain you know that's Mm -hmm. a big surprise and when they said what are you gonna do for the third movie they said something original we hope and yet for season two of Lower Decks, I actually want to see more tie-ins to Star Trek lore. I love the cameos in this first season. I, you and I both loved it when Q showed up. Yes. <laughs> I even, I mean, when's the last time if has Q ever shown up and not been the focus of an episode? Uh, no, because he always had like the Q and the gray and the Qless and the Cupid and right all I mean, these episodes. Yeah, one episode of DS9, three of Voyager, multiples in TNG, and it was always about him. And here he was just, you know, John Delancey just playing his role for like less than a minute, and it was hilarious. And here he was just a reference, because apparently he goes and bugs random ships in Starfleet. <laughs> and then at the end, he's like sitting there in his, his judge chair, making, like, oh, come on, play along uh, to I, the Lower Decks crew. I know, I loved it. I, and I just, I, that kind of stuff, as somebody who has been watching Star Trek for years and years, I love it. Now, I understand that with Big Bang Theory, for example, sometimes they just make references and they call that a joke, even though there's no real punchline. And that makes mm-hmm. you feel like you're almost laughing at them instead of with them. But with Lower Decks, I I love, you know, like I've seen all 700 plus episodes of Star Trek. 
And when they show something that rewards that, I really like those inside jokes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And this is the only show I've never, or at least recent show, that I haven't watched episodes twice before uh, talking about them. So I wonder if I go back to the earlier oh. ones, having liked the later ones, if my attitude towards those will have changed. I did consider going back and watching the pilot episode again before talking to you today, since we didn't, that's the last episode we reviewed and we weren't crazy about it. I was wondering if my opinion would have changed, but I didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's not a big commitment. I was just talking to somebody on Twitter. He's like, oh, I wonder if I can binge Lower Decks before Discovery Season 3 begins. And I was like, it's a pretty minimal commitment. It's like under four hours of content. Yeah. Any other thoughts about Lower Decks before we wrap up with some other Star Trek trivia? No, other than, you know, I'm glad that uh, I was able to find some joy in it by the end here. Yeah, I'm glad the show exists and I am glad I watched it and I would watch another season. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Here we go, CBS. You made it so I will pay you again. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. Uh, So, there has been some other Star Trek news. Back in July at San Diego Comic-Con, which I think was virtual, uh, they announced that the other animated series that they're working on for Nickelodeon, which you and I have talked about on Transporter Lock, is going to be called Star Trek Prodigy. And I think you and I either missed that announcement or (laughs) we heard it and then just forgot until this week when they announced that Star Trek Prodigy is going to feature Captain Janeway. Yeah, we're both of us. Our reactions were Star Trek, what? Um. (laughs) (laughs) Right. We should have been excited over Kate Mulgrew coming back, but we were like, wait, she's coming to what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, no, it's really cool. I'm glad to see her reprise her role beyond her Admiral appearance in in, uh, Star Trek Nemesis. Yeah, I was, I think Kate Mulgrew tweeted that Captain Janeway was coming back. And I wonder if that was intentional because you're right. By the end of the TNG movie series, it was Admiral Janeway. I didn't think of it that way. The wording, you know, I feel like people just know her as Captain, Captain Janeway. Like people know Picard as Captain Picard, even if he used an Admiral by the end, we still know him as Captain Picard. It's true. Uh, You know, I just pulled up the Wikipedia page for Catherine Janeway. Now, I I didn't read the full announcement about her appearance in Prodigy. I assumed it was just going to be like a cameo like Jonathan Frakes was in Picard or whatever. But Wikipedia says Janeway, voiced by Mulgrew, will lead the upcoming animated television series, Star Trek Prodigy. Oh. Because I thought Star Trek Prodigy was about a bunch of younger people who find an abandoned ship and use it to have adventures around the galaxy. And so... I thought that's who the main characters are going to be, but it's about Kate Mulgrew. I mean, sorry, oh. Captain Janeway. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be about a woman named Kate Mulgrew who helped the Millennium Tower get built. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I don't know what that's going to be about. But uh, also, in the meantime, we have season three of Discovery is starting next week. That's mid-October, October 15th. And the opening scene is already available on YouTube. Have you watched it? Because I have not. I have not either. And well, maybe I will be- tonight. But because uh, it's to me, it's not really too much much of a spoiler. I know the basic premise of season three, where I think you have intentionally avoided. I have that, <laughs> so I'm not going to say anything. Um, so maybe I will watch this 
and let you know if it's quote unquote safe or not. If they <laughs> jump right into the premise of it or if it's more like, hey, the gang's back. Okay, because I know there's a trailer for season three and I haven't watched that mm-hmm. either. Okay. Uh, well, probably probably not safe for you, but I will give it a shot and let you know. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, I'm getting my fix by reading the book, The Last Best Hope, which is star trek picard number one is the first novel based on that series it came out in february of this year so just as the show itself was airing and have have you read this book i haven't is this the one that talks about events before the show correct so i didn't know that going in you are absolutely correct it is entirely at least the parts that i've read so far i'm about 18 percent in it's about the effort to save the romulans from the supernova Gotcha, gotcha. So it starts off with Captain Picard being called to Starfleet headquarters and being asked, will you lead this mission? And he says, yes. And they say, congratulations, Admiral. And he's like, oh, guess I'm not going back to the Enterprise. Okay. (laughs) Uh, And then Geordi transfers off the Enterprise to help him build ships and robots on Mars. And the new captain of the Enterprise is Worf, who was his... Number one, after Riker left to Captain the Titan. Uh, oh, and then Geordi goes to the Daystrom Institute to recruit Bruce Maddox to build robots with him. And it's all this stuff. So huh. uh, I'm not sure how I feel about it for a couple of reasons. One, we kind of know how it ends. And second of all, mm-hmm. the author, Una McCormack, has written other Star Trek novels, some of which I've read in the DS9 series. But I don't feel like she quite has the characterizations down. Picard more so, but... I feel like she, when I'm reading Jordy's dialogue, I don't, I can't imagine those words coming out of Jordy's mouth. Uh huh. One of those situations, and yeah, that's tough when you have an author who uh, isn't doesn't quite. I don't know how to get it, doesn't quite get it right. I mean, if I was reading a fanfic where Cora uh, wasn't talking like Cora would uh, from Legend of Cora, uh, it would feel off. Like that's clearly not her. This is someone pretending to be her. <sighs> Yeah, and it can be hard to get it right for somebody who has so many decades of content written about and for him. I mean, this is not a blank slate that you can devise your own dialogue for. This is something that needs to be consistent, and it isn't always. But again, I'm less than a quarter of the way through the book, so I'm certainly going to finish it. It's one of the better books I've read in the last few months, although that says more about what I've been reading. So to be determined. Right. So that's all I got going on in the Star Trek universe. Anything else going on with you, Bree? Uh, well, I want a quick note here before we wrap things up. Yeah. I still, I don't remember if I mentioned it last week or last episode or not, but uh, the Delta Flyers, the podcast by Garrett Wang and um, Robert Duncan McNeil, where they are rewatching Voyager and talking about their experiences on these episodes, what they remember, what they thought worked, what they thought could have been way better. And I am loving the hell out of this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, this is Tom Paris and Harry Kim from Voyager. And it's been 20 years since they played those roles, which is remarkable. And here they are talking about their memories from very specific episodes. And it's uh, impressive how detailed they are about some things. Yeah, like sometimes they go in like, you know, I don't, I couldn't tell you what this episode is about until I started watching it. And like, oh, <laughs> um. But one of the things that stuck out before me, and I'll let you go, is that how mentioned I mentioned how they were not allowed to go off script, at least the beginning of the show. I don't know if it changed later on. So, like when you hear 
how awkward it is when Tom Paris says it's the Voyager instead of what we would say is just it's Voyager. <laughs> uh, they, they were like, no, you will say this script as is. <sighs> and so now we know why sometimes the actor said things in a little off way that sounded funny, funny uh, because they were told, nope, <laughs> when you read what's written, written, well written. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's disappointing. You can never tell if it's bad acting or bad scripts. And I know a lot of people will blame the actors in those cases, but you don't always know what they were given to work with. Yeah, uh, it's hard to know. And what director, uh, apparently some of these directors were, woo. (laughs) Yeah. And some they obviously loved a lot and knew how to get things out of the people. So if you're not listening to this, I highly recommend uh, checking out the first episode or two is a little rough because they're still getting their footing, uh, like any podcast. But as I go on, it gets much smoother and they have the whole shtick down and it's really, really enjoyable. Cool. I will include a link to that in the show notes and as, as well as a link to the other podcast that you were a guest on, which I confess, I missed that episode. So I want to go back oh. and listen to that as well. Yeah, I will give you a link uh, when we're done here so you can link in the link. fantastic i'm sure the main character from the legend of zelda will appreciate that (laughs) so that is it for episode number 60 of star trek lower decks we're going to be back recording every week that discovery season three is on is that correct that's correct unless something happens like a super pandemic (laughs) oh no it can't get worse can it (laughs) and the answer is always yes yeah it's going to be a tumultuous fourth quarter of this calendar year and also discovery season three debuts two days before my next move. I'm a digital nomad. I move around every couple of months. I've been in Arizona for the last 10 weeks, fostering dogs from best friends in Kanab, Utah. And next week, next Friday, I'm bringing back my fifth foster dog. The other four all got adopted. Phoebe, I'm going to bring back to the mm-hmm. rescue. And then I'm going to continue north to Bend, Oregon, where I'll be for five weeks before moving to Portland, Oregon for the holidays. So we need to watch Discovery Season 1 record this podcast, get it published so I can pack up everything I own into my car, move across the country, and then be in a different time zone for the next episode of Transporter Lock. (laughs) Uh, If something happens where you have to push yourself, well, we can make it not push yourself. (laughs) I think the main trick will just be navigating the time zones because you're not going anywhere. Uh, I am, but I don't think it's going to change much for us. (laughs) We'll figure that out off the air then. Okay. Uh, Well, then, until next time, uh, I'm going to let you close out. Otherwise, this is backwards. No, I don't know how to close it out. I've never closed it out. Until next time. Hit it. Or punch it. Or engage. Love it. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review on iTunes. And keep your hailing frequencies open by following us on Twitter at TransporterLock. Or subscribing to our podcast and email newsletter at TransporterLock.com. Oh, shoot. Trina thought, can I hold it? Can figure it out in five seconds? Well, no, no. Ah, no, it's gone. <laughs> oh, I remember. Aha, thankfully.